Knowledge and Power Podcast Live with your host, Tony Red Frozen. And my co-host, Madonna Sherwood and Francis Larkin. Knowledge is Power Podcast Live starts now. And everybody, and we are here with uh, attorney Chance Lynch from hello hey tony you you went out with uh on me for a moment i'm sorry but i'm I'm, I'm glad to be with you man thank you for for having me on it's an honor all right i'm gonna i'm gonna hold on for a second and get a shout out to some of our listeners right now hello dolores moore smith's uh, glad to have you this evening, and we're going to, um, uh, we've had my co-host in here, and I guess they've popped out, and they're probably going to pop back in, but uh, uh, Attorney Lynch, we're going to dive right into this 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 message here tonight. Uh, you are the uh, attorney for uh, Christopher Shaw, who was um, was injured in the care of the, um, of the, uh, of the uh, Bomber Police Department and the Jefferson County Sheriff Correctional Office uh, facilities, and we want to give. I want you to help us to give us a timeline on what happened, high story. But just to give your your spiel. So, Ladonna, I, I kind of introduced uh, Attorney Chance, but I'll let you go ahead and get. Let, your let me make sure um, I'm on my computer now. Can you guys hear me? I can hear you and see you. Okay, perfect. Um, so we're super excited about our guest tonight. We have attorney Chance Lynch and the NAACP has been following this pretty closely. We've actually submitted several letters um, requesting the release of that video footage um, that paralyzed Christopher Shaw. And we are looking forward to taking a little bit of a deep dive tonight and gathering some information and just kind of letting our audience know where we are and what we can expect in the very near future. Um, we're looking forward to doing everything that we can to just make sure that transparency and policing is uh, like paramount. Um, so we're excited about having Attorney Chance Lynch here tonight, and he's going to give us a little bit of background. Tony, did you want me to jump right on in? and? It's going out on me again. Okay. There it is. All right. So um, let me first, let me thank you guys for your interest in this. This is, um, it's a critical, critical matter that's impacting the Beaumont community. And um, it's the privilege and honor of my life to go all over the country, serving families and helping them and giving voice to the indigent and the underserved. Um, Again, I'm Chance Lynch. I'm a national civil rights attorney. And um, I am the lead counsel for uh, Christopher Shaw. And I serve alongside, um, I have a dynamic team that we work arm in arm. Um, Harry Daniels from Atlanta, Georgia. Demetria Howard Watkins from Dallas, Texas. Scott Palmer and James Rogers from Dallas, Texas as well. We all make up the legal team for Christopher Shaw. And uh, it's absolute honor to be able to serve beside them as we seek justice for Chris Shaw. On June 12, 2021, Chris Shaw, um, a 41-year-old native of Beaumont, Texas, who worked as a cook in a local hotel, um, was arrested for public intoxication. Uh, Public intoxication is one of those charges. I'm a former district attorney in North Carolina, so I used to be a prosecutor. I've served as a defense attorney for over 10 years um, and civil rights attorney. And public intoxication is just one of those charges where the person is usually um, arrested and detained so that they can be protected and they won't hurt themselves. Um, And so he was arrested for public intoxication by the Beaumont Police Department. Um, It's what happens is a series of events after he was arrested, he was taken to Baptist hospital um, and then taken to the Jefferson County jail. Um, When he got to Jefferson County jail, he was escorted inside by the Beaumont police officer 
along with three other uh, Jefferson County Correctional Officers. When he got inside of the jail, um, on the video that we've been able to see, you will see Mr. Shaw is, um, is detained and restrained by three of the Jefferson County Correctional Officers, um, and the Beaumont police officer escorts him inside as well, and he's present. Um, there is an officer on each side of Mr. Shaw. He's up against a wall, and there is one officer that is mostly in front of his body. Um, the Beaumont police officer um, reaches beyond. He There is some stuff, something that he's holding in his hand. He, he takes it, and he tosses it across the room, and he snatches Mr. Shaw out of the custody and control of these correctional officers. When he snatches Mr. Shaw out of their custody, um, and I don't know if I said this, but let me make, let me make this thing plain. Mr. Shaw's hands were handcuffed behind him the entire time. From the time that he um, arrived on the campus of the Jefferson County Correctional Facility, his hands were at all times handcuffed behind his body. And so when he gets inside, the officer snatches him out of the custody of these correctional officers. And he literally flips his body over in the air, causing him to land on his head uh, on a concrete floor. You see his body go limp. Um, you know, LaDonna, I, I was talking to LaDonna about this and I have seen a number of police, um, a number of police videos and camera footage. I've um, sadly, I've seen um, brothers and sisters die on camera at the hands of the police. I thought I was witnessing a, a murder. I thought I was witnessing a death. His body goes completely limp while he's lying on that floor. Ambulance is called. The ambulance comes, they pick him up. He's taken back to Baptist Hospital. In Baptist Hospital, they, in turn, they release him and says that there's nothing wrong with him. They release this man um, who... Um, was just body slammed, who is completely limp. He returns back to the Jefferson County Jail. And when he gets back to the Jefferson County Jail, you can see this same police officer, along with another police officer, wheeling him in in a wheelchair. And he's actually holding up Mr. Shaw's legs so that his legs do not drag the ground while he's pushing him inside the jail. They literally have to hold his body up so that they can change him. And subsequently, Mr. Shaw lies in a cell on the floor for over 18 hours in his own urine. Ooh. For over 18 hours in the Jefferson County Jail. No one helps him. He lies there without any ability to move. And eventually, after 18 hours or more, ambulance is called. He's taken to St. Elizabeth's Hospital and several hours after being there, He's in uh, they he undergoes emergency surgery where they learn that he's ha that he's had several fractures and breaks in his spinal cord, breaking his neck in several areas of his spinal cord, leaving him paralyzed from the chest down. Oh, now oh. today, even today, after go undergoing all those surgeries and being released, he still cannot walk. I got a question. I want to stop you. I hate to, you know, but I, this is what I do. So I need to get some clarity. Sure. So let's make sure goes to Baptist twice. Goes to Baptist twice. Before. Well, so bef before they bring him to Jefferson County, they bring him to Baptist. They bring him to Jefferson County. The incident occurs. They bring him back to Baptist where he's brought back to jail lifeless or not moving and he stays there so let, let me ask you just on a side note you know is anybody has the is the hospital um the records or anybody there being questioned or some something i think those are are, are excellent questions um let me answer it this way based off of our research and our conversation with the Jefferson County Jail, we're able to see the timeline of events of where he went, when he came, when they took him back, when he came back to that jail. And so we've made the pro appropriate request to be able to see the medical records, to be able to see what treatment he received because he was cleared when he got to the Jefferson County Jail 
by Baptist Hospital, which concerns us because this man had a broken neck. Mm. How could he be cleared to go back to jail? And and I'm going to tell you something else, LaDonna. I mean, think about this. The same officer who assaulted him was the officer who took him to the, to, to the hospital and brought him back from the hospital. And so I think that, you know, to answer your question, and I can't say but so much because I, I can't reveal legal strategy. But um, but I can tell you that you're asking the appropriate questions, that this is a hospital in your community that sees an African-American man who cannot move his body, but says that he's OK, he's cleared to go to jail and he lies in that jail for over 18 hours in his own urine. That's a problem. And so I think that's a good question to ask. And and what what else did you need to see? When the video that we saw, we didn't see him brought back on an ambulance. We saw him brought back in a in a cop car, in a truck SUV, and so they had to wheel him in, and he still had the inability to be able to do it. Where in their mind do you see a man that you actually have to physically hold up so that you can change him out and change his clothes mm-hmm. that you not think it's something wrong with him? He should not be in this jail. None of that happened. Where? Well- it's breaking up tony it's breaking up we can't hear you you might have to put it in the chat or check your connection okay oh there you go okay i said it just popped back in uh listening to the uh reading the police report and i understand that uh, i had to do my homework before we talked about it come on the show is that the officer is stating that um, that Chris Shaw was rebellious and was fighting back. How can a man fight or be rebellious, uh, handcuffed with handcuffs behind his back? Well, well, look, Tony. Think about this. What was he arrested for? He was arrested for public intoxication. Right. How can someone who's intoxicated have the ability to comply when when you are? When, when you are a police officer, there is an expectation that you will engage people who are intoxicated, who will not have but so much control. Now, right. to the extent. Right. That, I guess by the mere definition, intoxicated, inebriated, all of that means inertiated. It can't. It means no go. <laughs> his hands are behind his back. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing about it is. Um, not non-compliance is is not a warrant for you to exercise that type of force. It's 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 not non-compliance or not obeying an officer's command is not enough. It is not a warrant. It is not a license to exercise that type of force. The force that he used, I would go as far as saying it was unlawful. Not only was it unlawful, it was excessive for him to flip a man whose hands are behind his back. There were three other officers who had him detained. Now, this is what's so important. There were three other officers who had him detained and other officers at their beck and call. They were inside a jail facility. If that person was so hard to contain, to restrain, there was a, a staff who was capable to be able to help if it was needed. But it wasn't three who jumped on him. It was three who stood by, who had him restrained. It was one Beaumont police officer who yanked him out of the custody of those three who had him restrained and flipped him. Mm-hmm. He had no way to brace himself, mm-hmm. no way to brace himself before the fall, no way to protect any of his limbs. And it caused him to land on the concrete floor. Now, you know, that's why they don't want the video out. They don't want people to see it. Well, I've been kind of perplexed about the uh, the statements of the chief of police who said he stands by side or behind his officer's actions. Um, as a public relations person, I just feel, and this is just me speaking my mind here loosely as we're on the podcast, I think as a chief, oftentimes when we're not there, it's better to say uh, less is more, but to say you stand behind an officer whose actions 
uh, like you said, we're in the company of other officers who did not do the same action, then it's kind of like, you know, he would have almost done better saying, you know, the officer's actions are questionable and we're going to improve our sensitivity training or we're going to uh, re-evaluate the way our mechanism for handling people that are intoxicated. Any number of wording could have been used to kind of assage the situation, whereas this language seems a little bit more uh, poignant and invective towards other people. In other words, you have no sensitivity or compassion for the actual instance because somebody's intoxicated or not responding appropriately to be paralyzed and then charged with assault on somebody who's walking around seems a little bit out of place, I would say. Well, well, you know, LaDonna, I would go as far as saying that this police chief, his uh, response is not a surprise. And I'm going to say that. Um, I'm going to tell you why I say that. I've done my research on Beaumont. And, um, and so this is not the first time that Beaumont's police officers have abused and um have been have brutalized black folk mm-hmm. all right let's let's just call it the way it is um i mean even when you look at the Derek newman case when he was beaten with the nightstick um when when i came to beaumont uh, to meet mr shaw and he was lying in that hospital room his family showed me a video and I've been looking for that video ever since because on that video, it showed a white police officer for Beaumont who was, who was in a parking area with a bunch of black bystanders and they were recording uh, what was happening because the police were there and he was telling them to move back, get back, get back. And, and his comment was, and I heard it with my own ears. He said, this, we don't care what's going on around the world. This is Beaumont, Texas. This is the mentality of this of of this police department that that this chief is at the helm of. I mean, he's there at it. Lead, he's leading this. And for him to say that um, he stands by his guys. Here's what puzzles me. I know that you said that we could be more sensitive. We do some training. Listen, um, excuse my expression, but bump that. Uh-huh. No, charge him. Be the law enforcement a bumper training. We, the training will start after he's arrested. Right. The training will and, start after he's prosecuted. And my theory is, and I'm just going from a, I'm saying their public relations department, right. I'm certain didn't direct him to say what he said, because that was just the most insensitive comment that you could have made at a time like this. I'm saying from a PR perspective, you could have spent that jargon into anything you wanted it to be instead to just say, I stand behind the action of my officers. You should have said some type of, you know what I mean. You should have gave us. I'm doing an investigation. We're going to do an internal affairs. Right. Anything. We're reviewing the video. Give me something. We're doing some training. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're working on it. Let me ask uh, Attorney Chance this, uh, Lynch. Uh, have anybody seen the police body cam? No, um, not well. Let me say this: I, I, I'm going. I said that quickly, but let me put it this way: we have not seen it. Now, who the chief has allowed to see? I, I'm not sure, but we've written a letter asking to inspect it and for for it to be released. Um, the only response that we've gotten from him, uh, from Jimmy Singletary, is I'm turning this over to my attorney. That's it. He has not given us a chance to be able to come in to to view it. We don't know what um, and who has seen it. We have seen the surveillance camera at the jail. Uh, Zena Stevens, the elected sheriff, has allowed us to come in. We've seen it. We've looked at it. Um, I mean, over and over, we've been able to look at it from different angles, and it is clear. It's clear to us, and it's clear to those who have seen it, that he did not, Mr. Shaw, did not make contact with his officer. Um, there was no contact made. Well, let me ask you, why is it then that the Christopher Shaw is being charged with assault of a police officer? Because that's charges that he's been brought up on. And we think it's being um, strategically charged uh, as far as, I mean, the gentleman, if he was assaulted, I'm not sure if you have any knowledge, but did he present any injuries or any Thing that we may not be abreast of. Can you enlighten us? 
So the only thing that our team has read is that he gave either an affidavit or a written statement or he gave testimony to the grand jury that I think that maybe he scraped his arm or something. Um, the, the only that he thing probably did that, that he well, probably the, did it. I'm just gonna be real. That's, uh, and not to cut you off, uh, uh, Lloyd Lynch. I'm just gonna be straight up. We all know what this is. If it looked like a duck, it quacked like a duck. It's a damn duck. Okay. At the end of the day, they have done some egregious acts to this young man. Then on top of that, they want to turn around and retaliate against him when he turns around and seek legal counsel from two national civil rights attorneys. Come on, it don't take a rocket scientist to read this play what they're doing. But just know, Beaumont, you about to be on national news because we're not going to play with none of this. We want all the videos from not just Beaumont PD, we want it from Jefferson County, and you're going to unleash it. Because at the end of the day, transparency needs to be brought to the community. That's Dr. what needs to happen. With, with Dr. Well, Matthews, I understand that uh, 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 Attorney Lynch is saying that he has seen the Jefferson County Sheriff's Department have shown him the videos. They've looked at it at all angles. And it, so I understand. But he thinks, now, let's be clear. What happened with George Floyd? What happened with Breonna Taylor, right? Those videos the community were able to see in plain sight. And what happened? See, they do not want the black folks to come together and create a situation. So they're doing this strategically. But they might as well get ready because the civil rights, big wigs, they got their eyes fixed on Beaumont. Well, you know, Dr. Dr. Matthews, I think that I think the point that she raised is 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 true. We we absolutely believe that it's retaliatory. We mm-hmm. think that what they did was retaliatory. The only time when when Mr. Shaw was when he arrived at the Jefferson County Jail the first time, not after they broke his neck and took him to the hospital, the first time with his hands behind him, you we saw um, when they were outside going in where it looks as if the officer was trying to flip him then. Mm-hmm. And he was unsuccessful. And at that point, we saw that they both fell on the ground. Mm-hmm. Now, and then the uh, other officers came out. Now, to your to your point, Tony, to answer your question, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's okay. But if they both fell on the ground, the only thing in our mind is that he's using, when they both fell on the ground, a means of saying, oh, well, I was assaulted because I fell on the ground um, at the same time, there was no overt action by Mr. Shaw that we have seen where he could lie. No kicking, no punching. Well, no, no punching. He's, I mean, no. His hands, his hands were behind him. We didn't see where his legs made contact. We saw at one point when he was with those other officers that um, that he may have become irate. They had him detained and restrained. It looks like his leg may have gone up, but no one came in contact with the leg. It wasn't even up enough to be able to make a kick at someone. And you got to remember that three officers are there. So for an officer, the, the question you have to ask, was there enough for him to believe that, that, that his life was an imminent threat or imminent harm was present? with three other officers having this man detained while his arms are behind his back and he is restrained, that he had enough time to take what he had in his hand, toss it, grab him, yank him out of the custody and control of people who already had him detained to flip him. What was the cause during that time for that to happen? Well, see, the enemy threat was actually because well you know that's why we'll be saying we wouldn't have to we wouldn't have to describe what's on that video if they would just release it you know we wouldn't I, you wouldn't have to rely on my recollection of it if right. they would just release the video. Right. I would have all these questions if I was, I, you know, did he kick anybody? Did he right. punch anybody? Did he do this? Did he do that? Mm-hmm. We would, and my, 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 my theory, um, my theory on that is like you say, with the retaliatory charge, um, 
I'm assuming this is the ongoing investigation that's impeding the release of the video. Am I correct? Yes, that's what they're using as a basis, saying that there is this investigation because he's being charged, etc. And we'll be able to get the we will be able to get the videos through criminal discovery. Um, the, the law requires uh, there's a case called Brady v. Maryland that says that we're able to get discovery to make we have made the appropriate discovery request. We have not um, had that honored yet by the district attorney's office. So um, I know that Sheriff Zena Stevens, she has the video, but the district attorney also has the video. And so the district attorney could release it if he wanted to. But you have a system here where the 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 council for the sheriff is in the same office as mm -hmm. the elected district attorney. That's right. That, that the elected district attorney works with the Beaumont police chief and his officers um, on a 24 seven uh, basis with prosecuting cases. And you have friends having to investigate and hold the other friend accountable. That's it. That's it. Boy, There's been no evidence that we know of, of any charges or presentation made to the grand jury against the officer. So if there was a, a presentation of evidence against Mr. Shaw to the grand jury, then why wasn't there any a presentation of evidence against the officer for a grand jury to be able to see the video to make a decision? These are questions that the community have to raise. Okay, I got a question then, because I'm gonna tell you how that video came in. The video would actually came in if it was showing that the police officer was right, that we had no problem showing that video. But clearly, we know, based on your if y'all could recap it was kind of breaking up right uh, i i couldn't make out everything that she said that she was saying, I heard corruption yeah, right. at the end. Candace, uh, Dr. Candace Matthews, you, uh, you have so much noise in the background. We, we can't quite hear you clearly. Um, and uh, you are, uh, I don't know if you're traveling or whatever, but we can't hear you clearly. But if you can, you can repeat that again, please. Okay, can y'all hear me now? Yes. Okay, so basically what I was saying is that if the video would have showed that the, the officer was justified in the, in the right, then I guarantee we wouldn't have had an issue watching having the video. But clearly, as the recollection that uh, Attorney Lynch has uh, shared with us, it clearly shows that this officer was in complete wrong and it was complete police brutality. So that's why they don't want to release the video. You see what I'm saying? So clearly as we all know what we see here is corruption this mm -hmm. is what it is and it needs to be uncovered it need we need to have transparency we need to have accountability and then we need to have uh chief secretary they need to take his t-close license they need to take all of them and get and, and get a whole new thing over again and that's my point and i'm sticking to it and i said what i said Okay. LaDonna? Attorney Lynch, okay. do you have anything else that you want to add that maybe we've missed or maybe we haven't discussed so far? Um, anything that we need to be mindful of or on the lookout or, you know, just in the coming months or future tense, aside from, I'm guessing the start of this trial against Christopher Shaw will help shed some light on releasing the video because like you say once the trial starts the video will be released anyway right well the the, the video will be released the the criminal discovery based on texas law um even when we get it in discovery there are rules that will prohibit us from being able to release it based off of the texas rules of professional conduct and so even if we get it in hand because we are his attorneys and his his legal consultants, we still are limited based off of Texas rules and law from being able to let the general public see it. But here, here's the thing, LaDonna. Um, we need the community to take a stand. You know, I, when we were 
um, there a couple of weeks ago, I made the comment that um, it was probably about 100 people out. And I told them, don't be discouraged by it being a small crowd. Um, and one of the examples that I gave, um, my undergraduate university is North Carolina A&T State University. We pride ourselves off of being a historically black college and university that we are the top HBCU in the country and we produce the most engineers. But a part of that is the sit-in movement did not start with 4,000. The sit-in movement started with four college freshmen who lived in Scott Hall who were tired of being abused and who decided to fight a systemic system of prejudice and racism in that city. And what did they do? They got dressed. They marched down to the Woolsworth restaurant downtown Greensboro, and they sat there. They allowed tea and hot coffee to be poured upon their heads so that they could go back to their freshman dorms, change clothes, and do it all over again the next day. What happened from there? This These same four men, created the, the sit-in movement that went from there to Winston-Salem, from Winston-Salem to Durham, North Carolina, and from Durham across the entire country. And so sometimes we think that success is built off of size. It's not. It's built off of structure. Mm -hmm. And what I said to that community on that day is the same thing that I'm echoing right now to all of your listeners that I'm so privileged to be able to speak to right now, that we need the community to stand up and take control of their home. I don't want to have to come back to Beaumont to represent another family who was brutalized and abused and broken by the hands of the police department of Beaumont, Texas. Mm -hmm. When we can make a stand and let the world know, bring all of the eyes to Beaumont, not because we, we are trying to get attention. We're trying to affect change. This is something that is systemic and it is reoccurring in Beaumont, Texas. The police department feels that they can only use the Constitution as a paperweight, that they can only use the, the amendments and the clauses in, in the Constitution. They can only use that as a fan, like they're sitting in church and they're hot. And so we need the people to be able to stand up that the same way that you treat white citizens is the same way you should treat black citizens, black and brown. They deserve to be treated the exact same way. You cannot. Um, swear on a Bible and take an oath that you're going to protect and serve the same citizens that you abuse, neglect, and take advantage of and break the laws against. And so we're asking this community to write letters. We need community. Start marching. You can be make sure we, we are encouraging people. Mr. Shaw has asked everyone, please keep it peaceful. Please keep your marches and your protests peaceful. But by all means, march. Write letters to the chief. Call the chief. Call the sheriff. Go to the sheriff's office and write a letter saying, why aren't you releasing the video? Write the district attorney. Hold your elect and And listen, not only that. Hey, listen, Tony and, and, and LaDonna, think about this. Think about this. The chief serves at the pleasure of the city council. Amen. So why is the chief allowed to stand up and say, I stand behind my men and no city council member has anything to say? No, no city council because, member. You know, ooh, 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 ooh. Boy, you just ring the bell. Go ahead and ring it. <laughs> you know why? Because he know why all the body's fear. Let's just look at what it is. He know why all the body's fear. All corrupt folks roll together. Well, you know, well, we've got a saying where I'm from. I'm from North Carolina. And we've got a saying uh, on where I'm from. And what we say is what doesn't come out in the wash will come out in the rinse. And so... This is where we are. I mean, we are in a place and time where it is necessary. And people say, oh, well, I haven't seen the video. Well, let me say, let me listen. We go all over the country representing families. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Andrew Brown case in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, where police officers in Pasquotank County shot a black man in his vehicle while he was driving away from them. Mm -hmm. I had to go in and view that video. When I went in to view the video, I came out and what I stated I saw did not match what the elected district attorney claimed happened. He claimed that one thing happened. That's not what I saw. And so when I came out, I was the only attorney to be able to see the full video. When I went in and came out to release to the world what I saw in all eyes and people were watching, waiting to see what I was going to say happened on that video, 
they tried to dispute it. Well, why would I come out and lie knowing that at some point the video is going to be released? Why would I have to change what I saw in that video to create a narrative that I know would not be supported later? Some people say, oh, I haven't seen the video. Well, you can't see air, but you still breathe it. You can't see God, but you still believe. So what is it? What you need to see is this. You don't have to see the video. All you have to do is see Chris Shaw. All you have to do is see him in that wheelchair. And you compare a man who weighs probably 150 pounds wet sitting in a wheelchair compared to a man that's twice his size who carries a gun and a taser and a badge. And you know that he was flipped over landing on a concrete floor with his hands behind his back while that man was able to get up and walk away and go home to his family while you've got Chris Shaw who's at home tonight and he needs help getting up to get to the bathroom. He can't even use a lavatory without assistance. He can't get dressed without assistance. He can't feed himself. He has a newborn grandson that he cannot get up and play with and run behind. He can't change his grandson's diaper because the same person that took an oath to protect him is, is at home with his family. And you say that you need to see the video. Don't worry about the video right now. Let's just take a look at Mr. Shaw. Think about what his Christmas is going to be like. Mm. Let's think about what his Thanksgiving is going to be like. And you know, the difference between George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, all, Eric Gardner, all of these people, and, and may, may God, God rest their souls with all that they've had to endure and what we've been, we've been able to, to witness their death. Here's the difference between them and Mr. Shaw. Mr. Shaw survived to tell the story. He's here. We're, we are able to see firsthand. We don't need anybody to tell us what, what they think happened. It's not an autopsy. Mm -hmm. We don't need a pathologist to tell us what happened. We have the living proof of police brutality in the person of Christopher Shaw. And, and we, we're angry. We're upset. And, and Beaumont should be upset too. Amen. I believe and you know, that. what I've been hearing is, um, you know, because we keep our hand on the pulse of the community. What we've been hearing mostly is, oh, I don't like what happened. I don't like, I don't, I don't uh, support or condone what happened. Well, if you don't like it and you don't support it and you don't condone it, I guess it's just because it's not at your door that it's really not that important. You know, and even like you say, even if you didn't make it a black or a white thing, nobody would want their child to be drunk or, or, or high, whatever the case may be, and then show up paralyzed after being drunk or high. Because, I mean, that's half of the world. That's a 70, 80% of us. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To say, I don't like it, it's really not enough. You're right. We've got to get involved. We've got to do something. Some of us have been accused of speaking out of turn or not getting all our facts together, but we, we want to be found doing good for goodness sake. We want to be found doing something instead of doing nothing sitting on our hands. We, we also want to be found knowing that this injustice to Christopher Shaw could have been any one of our could have been anybody family LaDonna. members or person. Yep, it could have been anybody. But I'm a, and then let me just say this, and, and, and I like how you say it when y'all check the posts of the community to see like what they're saying. And what I find very disturbing is that they normalize this type of behavior. That goes to show what the culture of Beaumont is. And in order to have some type of transitional leadership, transformational leadership, you guys have to stand up and be like, hey, enough is enough. We're not going to tolerate this behavior. Y'all should not just normalize it. And it, I mean, this is really taking me back to the Jim Crow era. But what I'm, from what I'm hearing, if this is, if this is all with what they're saying, and then if it turns back around and it happens to your family members, then you want everybody to come out the woodwork. No, That's we right. don't need to That's normalize right. this behavior at all. <laughs> Accountability that it needs to be had, y'all. And we can't just sit up here and normalize like it's okay. We can't normalize corruption. We can't do that. You know, Dr. Matthews, my mother uh, went to jail marching for civil rights and equal rights um, in the 60s. And, and, and she 
she she all, often tells a story of how she and my grandmother were arrested and taken to jail and how she remembers seeing um, a man in the community who was sprayed with water holes and how his clothes were ripped from his body um, and police dogs. Um, I, I hear my mom speak of those. And one of the things that I appreciate about that era is that they stood up for people um, that it was happening to, even if it didn't happen to them. And we live up in we live in a, in a society, sadly, now where we can be um, angry enough or disappointed that it, that it happened. But we're not angry until it knocks on our door um, in Beaumont. Beaumont is not that big. It's, it's a small community mm-hmm. and the police know who to pick on and they know who to leave alone. Mm-hmm. And anyone who can see a man. Um, at 41, who was able body, 41 years old, that's a young man that's able bodied to be able to get up and walk, who would sometimes walk to work and can no longer, I mean, can barely even adjust himself in his own bed because he was publicly intoxicated. That's a problem. And the community has to begin to ask questions. And then and I'm 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 soliciting the leaders, those leaders in the community. Be it whatever organization you're part of, doesn't matter whether it's a black organization, whether it's an organization organization as white churches, pastors in the community. You know, people say, "Well, I don't want to get involved." Well, I'm also a pastor, and in Micah, the the book of Micah it says, "What does the Lord require of you that you act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God?" So, how can you sit even as a pastor and know that there is someone in the community that doesn't have a voice, whose voice has been stolen? And that they, they they have been left crippled, and you be okay with it, it or act as if us requesting or requiring the video is some kind of way an injustice to, or we're targeting police, or we we're not targeting police, and we're not against police, but we are against things that are wrong. I heard you say the other day, you know. Um, Martin Luther King said injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. This is true. This has nothing to do if it was a black kid or white kid. And I say kid, but black man, white man, whatever. If the police dump anybody on their head that went in walking and they cannot move, that should offend everybody. You should should not offend certain groups. That should offend everybody because everybody's somebody. He might not be nothing to you. He may not mean anything to you, but he's something to his family, to his group, to his people. Like I said, originally, this touched me originally because Christopher Shaw is my classmate and somebody I would consider a friend. We grew up together. This is not just somebody that I'm just going on a mission to be rah, rah, whatever. I feel personally some type of way and regardless to me of whatever he may have done if he did not literally kill somebody or maim somebody or rape or molest or even then they have a day in court not to take away the activity of their limbs i mean you know what i mean i just i can't wrap my head around it and then of course we're being tasked with being too passionate or too overzealous about certain things. No, this is unacceptable. Unacceptable just means unacceptable across the board, period. And to say you stand behind your officers, I mean, to me, that's a slap in the face to normal people. How can you? I mean, what are you saying? Only some people, rights matter. The officers, the safety and security matters, but other people's safety and security doesn't matter. This should be weighed about the same. If he wasn't a threat or, like you say, imminent danger to the officer, then now you got to justify your actions and we can't as a community view the actions of the officer or the actions of Christopher Shaw. But even if you, even if we saw Christopher Shaw, like you said, let's just deal with Christopher Shaw for a moment. We can see what happened to him. Right. There is no no indication of any injuries severe to the officer. You know, we can't see any life changing experience to the officer. Right. Okay, and, and let's take that back to that chief of police with the statement that he made, right? Spoken like a true clan. <laughs> so we're going to call it, let's call it like it is. Spoken like a true clan. 
So at the end of the day, I mean, he claimed that he's standing behind his office and all of that kind of crap. Okay, because maybe because they, they was over there and sitting in the same row as Clay and me. So let's just be clear for what it is. Look at what's happening in Beaumont. Beaumont is nothing more but a centimeter away from Vita, which is the headquarters of the Ku Klux Klan. Beaumont is really nowhere from Jasper, Texas, where James Byrd was drugged. This is a normalized behavior. This is what happens when you have wicked people in high places. That's what this is. And he's spoken just like a true Klansman. And I said it, and I'll come and tell you I said it. Attorney Shaw. I'm sorry, Attorney <laughs> Lynch. I'm so sorry. Hey, it's it it's been it's been so good, and I'm so glad that you come aboard and uh, accept our invitation here on Knowledge Is Power podcast. Uh, and we want to make sure this message gets out into the communities, into the homes of people who. I don't want you to have to come back to Beaumont for somebody in my family, or maybe me, you know. Because oh, my it, boy. right, my child, you know, and I, it, it touched, it touched me, and it touched us as hosts of this show uh, when this thing first occurred. And the only thing that upset me the most mm -hmm. is that the Beaumont Police Department tried to sweep it under the rug. And you know, Tony, when we had that show, and I was on here talking, I was on here going. We were at the time were the only group that had called it out for what it was. That's we right. were the only group that kicked it off. Because, they got the phones ringing. Because if not, if we had not got involved in it and started digging in it, it would have they would have swept it under the rug and, and called it, and it was a cover up. Well, just know y'all, we're gonna bring national attention to this. So just know this. the Rainbow Push Coalition have already stated that they got their eyes fixed on Beaumont, as well as all the big civil rights organizations. So and it will not be swept under the rug. It's going to be on CNN, MSNBC. It's going to be all of And like Attorney Lynch mentioned earlier, is that the good part about it, not really good, but one of the things about it is that Chris Shaw is able to tell it. He's not, he didn't have a knee under his neck for nine, nine minutes. He wasn't shot in his bed sleeping. He wasn't killed uh, uh, fleeing the police. He's able to tell the story. And that is going to be so important. And we must stay on top of this. And we must Tony, continue. do you have any comments or questions that we need to address before we let them go? Well, I mean, unless you want to go to the comment board. I've I just wanted to make sure we're not leaving no audience out that wants to know something that we haven't asked. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, let's go to the brand board and see what we, we've got here. Um, I know we have a, a tournament coming. Um, you want to... Uh, Bring that up. Um, let's see here. Let me get that off. Okay. No, you're not there. I think you're muted. Oh, yes, I was muted. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, okay. I was still talking. <laughs> all right, all right, go ahead. Oh, anyway, we have the um, first annual Lafayette's 5 Golf Tournament with the NAACP. You can register now um i think it's just regular registration because early registration ended on uh, september 20th but this is going on on october the 9th which is i think next weekend so you want to get registered you want to do it now you can do it at uh, naacp on facebook or naacp.com i think it's beaumont.com you breaking up, Tony. Okay, now, okay. Okay. All right. We that got Diabetes Awareness Month, and that's coming up November the 13th. That's going to be in Rogers Park, but we got a little bit of time on that, a little over a month. Okay. And I think that's about all we have. Uh, for and no questions. comments. Okay, well, that's yeah, we, good. Now, we do have a, a couple of comments uh, on the comment board. 
Uh, I want to I want to reach out to uh, Miss Cheryl Richards uh, Jackson, and she's the person to visit the young man, Christopher Shaw, after he was released from the hospital, and he indeed was paralyzed. No assistance was offered to help him, and I think we we talked about that. We went over yeah. that as well, uh, yeah. and I also have. Uh, uh, Trisha uh, Primo, and no, I mean the second trip. She want to know about the trips to the hospital. She thinks Without. she didn't know anything about the third time. The third time when he went to the hospital was for surgery. Am I correct about that? And also we've got. Uh, well, I think that her question was, do, do we know if Baptist actually saw him? Can we prove he actually right. seen that time by the hospital? And my response to that is we have requested the appropriate documentation to be able to see the timeline and that right. we can only go based off of what the jail's records will show by them him leaving the jail and them having to come back and report we've been told by the elected sheriff that he went to baptist and came back and that's when he stayed in that in that sale so that's that's my answer to that okay fred frugely is on uh, youtube he said why do i ask okay i don't know what the first question was oh he asked about uh that's right here about the body cam we talked about that you know i wanted to ask that too i got sidetracked but i wanted to know this vpd have any video footage that we, if it's been visible to anybody beaumont police not jefferson county but B we know that we we know that bpd has body cam footage we have not been able to inspect it and see it we don't know what it shows um and we haven't been able to come into the police department because like i said the chief has avoided us and has not commented and, and um, made any correspondence to us. So no BPD footage has been viewed at no, all. Not with us. Now, if there are oh. some other people okay. that the chief has allowed to come and see the video, then that's what the chief has done, but he's not allowed us to see it. So I'm, I can't speak to that. I know that, that, it, that it exists, but we have not seen it. Okay. And he also said because of, of the video evidence did the DA present to the grand jury that proved Shaw was guilty, but the cop was innocent. Had that we been? Don't, we don't know what was presented to the grand jury. We only know um, an article or, that we read that says that he had some type of scrape or something, and um, felonious assault on a government uh, on a peace officer in Texas requires that the officer suffer some type of injury. That something happens, but there was no overt action that we have seen any contact made with Mr. Shaw to cause any injury to that police officer. And I want to say this because I didn't get to say it earlier is that I want y'all to notice that the indictment came after uh, my legal team and I showed up and began to ask questions and demand this video. That's right. All right, that's so I right. think that's really important. If you that's look important. at the time of the indictment, it was after we had several television interviews, after people start making requests. I know that LaDonna also made a request on behalf of NAACP, and after we made the request, I mean, it was weeks, almost a month or two after that the indictment came. So I'll leave that up to you. I'm not going to tell you what to think. I'm just going to give it to you. That's all strategy. I'm just going to be straight up. I know who's seen that Bone PD video, the Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. And I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I, also, Fred is asking uh, if there is a video that shows uh, Mr. Shaw assaulting the cop. It would be all over. If, if it was, it would be all over the news. Correct. It'd be a big, huge dog and pony show. And you know, I'm a witness of that. They would not be trying to hide a video that would exonerate the cops or this particular policeman. Right. And they're trying to take advantage of the black community and the brown community in Beaumont by thinking that the black and brown community um, does not care that they're not involved, that they're not staying abreast of what's happening in their own community and hoping that it would be swept under the rug. And so that's why we're so grateful for leaders like you all to take the interest in this, to be able to bring it to the forefront, to be that voice like John the Baptist crying out in the wilderness, that even when it's not popular, it's productive. And so I'm grateful for your leadership and we appreciate that. On behalf of the Shaw family, we appreciate you. Yeah, well, great. I appreciate you and your uh, law firm uh, to to come down here yes. to Beaumont, Texas, and uh, let's uh, and I'd like for you to ask the the, the community let's let's get behind this uh, Chris Shaw and let's let's bring this corruption to a close. Uh, also, we want justice for Chris Shaw. That's right. 
Um, in closing, do you have anything else you'd like to add, Mr. Lynch? No, I just want to encourage everybody to start to keep in touch with you all, um, to reach out to um, Dr. Matthews so that you all can be a part of it. Um, we, we're planning to come back. I know that we've been working with the Rainbow Push Coalition. Um, Bishop Grant has, um, we have his support along, of course, with um, uh, the Reverend Jesse Jackson and those leaders from the Rainbow Push who are standing with us to bring attention to this very, very important matter. And so we need the Beaumont community to do it. Um, I said when I came there and I, um, that I didn't want to the, the, the fire to die when we left. I'm hoping that we'll start a fire there that people will begin to write letters, to protest, to exercise their, their legal constitutional right to protest, to do it peacefully, and to demand the release of this video and to demand that this officer be held accountable. That's right. Um, to start the process of saying, you know what? You do not get to serve our community if you're going to break the law. You do not get to violate our, our constitutional rights because we're black. You do not get to abuse us and cause injury to us and not have to answer because what that cop did that day, he became the judge and the jury. And that is not the fabric of our constitution or our country. That is not what is woven in the fabric of our constitution and what this, this country is supposed to represent. And we need the Beaumont community to stand behind Christopher Shaw. We need that name. We need it in every house. We need it spread it out on all social media outlets. Justice for Chris, for Chris Shaw, it begins with the community, and we appreciate it, and we need you. Thank you so much. Thank you again, uh, Attorney Chance Lynch of Lynch Law uh, in South Carolina, correct? No, in North Carolina. North Carolina, Lynch, okay. Yeah, North, yeah. Lynch yeah. Law in yeah. North Carolina. It wouldn't Carolina. be a show if Tony didn't mess something. Yeah, it wouldn't be a show if he didn't mess something yes, up. Yes, Lord, I tell you. Lynch Thank Law. And I, and I want to, Tony, again, I started with this. I want to end with I'm, I'm grateful to serve the Lynch, uh, the, the Chris Shaw family, and I serve alongside. Uh, Lynch Law is proud to serve alongside Harry Daniels from Harry Daniels uh, Law Offices in L LLC in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Demetria Scott, um, Demetria um, Watkins Howard um, in Dallas and Scott Palmer and James Rogers of Dallas from Scott Palmer Law. I'm honored to serve alongside these incredible attorneys as we fight for justice for Chris Shaw. It's not a me thing. We work arm in arm together and I certainly want to give credit where credit is due. All right. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Uh, Thank you so much. On this month of October is National Domestic Violence Awareness and Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I want you to all to join us in October this month for podcast, and we will be having guests to discuss some of the facts and help that you would need and can that will help you during that uh, that this month of domestic violence and breast cancer month. On Tuesday, we're going to have Miss Lanelle Renfro Far. Fox, I'm sorry, Fox. Uh, she is a. a <laughs> I wouldn't be know how to say them. Yes, we know. Family name, you know. I just, you know, I'm just so. I don't know, but we want to make sure you're here and join us Tuesday as we talk about the national the domestic violence awareness. With that and said, thank you guys for so much for, for being a part of the show and attorney. Lynch, we want to invite you back again when you've got more detail, more, and we want to keep this fire burning right here in Beaumont, Texas. Okay, I'd be honored to. Thank you for watching Knowledge Is Power Podcast Live. Be sure to like and subscribe to all Knowledge Is Power social media pages.